The AI Gov Reimagine podcast is brought to you by Google Cloud in collaboration with GovExec Studio 2G. The government AI revolution is here, and Google Cloud has the fast, scalable, and easy-to-use AI offerings agencies need to innovate, improve decision-making, and use data to its fullest potential. Learn more about Google Cloud's AI offerings, including AI platform, video and image analysis, speech recognition, and multi-language processing at cloud.google.com. There's no doubt that 2020 proved an especially difficult year for job hunting. Millions of Americans filed for unemployment as businesses were forced to shutter locations or cut back on staff in order to accommodate health and safety requirements around the pandemic. Now, as vaccines continue to roll out across the country, governments and businesses everywhere are beginning to look at the road to recovery. In-person operations are likely to open back up over the next year, and many organizations have, out of necessity, made the shift to functional and secure remote operations, which offers a wealth of opportunities for organizations who may be able to tap into a larger applicant pool with a remote workforce and for applicants who may be able to access jobs they previously weren't able to travel to. So how can state and local governments help constituents navigate this new world of work and help to bolster economic recovery? That's exactly what we'll be speaking about on today's episode of AI Gov Reimagined, a podcast from Google Cloud and GovExec Studio 2G. Joining us today is Quinn Chasen, Head of Customer Analytics at Google Cloud Public Sector, and Sarah Bluchevich, Chief Operating Officer at Rhode Island Department of Labor and Training. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Quinn, let's start with you. Let's start by talking about the world of work. How has that changed over the last year? What is the landscape of job seekers at the moment? And why is it so important to start getting constituents back to work? Thank you. And as you mentioned in your intro, the national employment rate really spiked almost a year ago in April to the highest place it was in over 70 years. And a year later, today, as of the end of April, there are still over 8.2 million fewer jobs available than before the pandemic. And it's disproportionately affecting low-wage workers. It's disproportionately affecting small businesses, where over 400,000 of them have closed since the beginning of the pandemic. Today, those same small businesses, over 70% of them say that, you know, the pandemic had a moderate or even large impact on their business. And so while people are coming back to work as we're getting vaccinated and the economy starting to move again, we're still in a fairly tenuous position where the future is not entirely clear on what work will look like coming out of this. And Sarah, what impact did the pandemic have on constituents in Rhode Island in terms of jobs? When the economy shuttered last March and April, we lost a total of 108,000 jobs in Rhode Island. Now, for context, Rhode Island only has a total population of just over a million people. So it's a significant job loss. A year later, we've only recovered 63% of those jobs. So the labor market is still suffering those pandemic effects. And we anticipate that as we continue to climb out, as vaccines roll out, you know, jobs coming back online, the world of work has changed for a lot of our economy, particularly since Rhode Island's economy was very much in that hospitality, tourism, service industry, and and direct support jobs uh, was a major component of our economy and was one that was hardest hit. So we anticipate this being quite the transition to come back out of that COVID shuttering that happened. Where did Rhode Island choose to invest? I know that Google's Virtual Career Center solution offers the ability to connect constituents with career opportunities. What was the thinking behind deploying a solution like that? What was the journey like? 
So the importance that we recognized very early, and that we started talking around virtual services as early as April in the pandemic, because we knew that scale was going to be an issue and access was going to be an issue. Prior to the pandemic, most workforce development services were happening in person. So you would come to an office, meet with a job coach in person, you would be passing papers back and forth, your resume would be printed, things of that nature. In addition, job interviews were also typically in person. But with the pandemic coming, we knew one, the scale of unemployed individuals that we were going to have to serve, whether immediately in the pandemic or coming out as the economy reopened, moving many more people back into the workforce, we needed something that was scalable. So for us, it was how do we harness technology? People are needing to do virtual work, they need to do virtual job searches, employers are hiring in virtual settings. How do we then pivot our services to adapt to that new reality? Also, how do we make sure that the most relevant information that a job seeker could access is in front of them in real time? So that means for job postings, we wanted to get above and beyond just the abyss of the internet where you have infinite number of job seekers and infinite number of job postings with no context around them. And then you're just searching for needles in haystacks that are millions tall. So we really wanted to curate the content on the virtual career center around, you know, job postings in your local area, job postings that are overlaid on the Google map technology. So you can see what else is around that job posting, access to training, access to meet with a job coach virtually. Instead of having to come to an office, you can schedule an appointment, which we didn't have scheduling software before, to meet with a person virtually through the Google Meets platform. And then the G Suite technology is also available through the BCC. So sharing documents, co-authoring documents together, all of that technology and feasibility is something that we did not have access to. And so that's where we chose to invest because we knew one, we needed something that could handle volume and one-on-one -on -one appointments in person was just logistically not going to be feasible. And we just don't have enough manpower for that. And then two, we knew that there was very powerful online tools and online technology that could really expedite that job search and job matching process, both for the job seeker, but also for those employers who are looking for those best fit candidates. So for us, it was really a drive for efficiency, but also a drive for capacity. We needed those larger tools, larger infrastructure that could handle the volume of tens of thousands of unemployed Rhode Islanders to get into the economy again post-pandemic. That's awesome. I wish I had that at my fingertips two decades ago when I first started in the workforce. You mentioned that you were still only at 60% of where you were before the pandemic. What have been the results of the current platform and tools? Have you seen an acceleration? When we are having job seekers are utilizing the system, they are uploading their resumes. It's a slow rollout. People are just getting into that mindset of, of looking for work. But what we're very excited about is one, the employer community engagement. The first week we launched the virtual job fair, we already had 12 employers and 12 job fairs scheduled very, very quickly within hours of launching that technology. And that has continued to grow. One thing that we are looking to pair this technology with is the work search requirement of unemployment insurance. So for example, every unemployed Rhode Islander who's currently collecting unemployment insurance has to conduct a work search. It's part of the UI program. It's always been part of the UI program. And so now as we're coming out of that pandemic, as it's that the charge of returning back to work is coming, this technology is going to be paired with that UI rollout around 
how do you conduct job search in a post-pandemic world? How do we get you back plugged into the economy? And how do we make sure that that happens before your unemployment benefits run out? What we're really trying to message at the Labor Department is don't wait until that last week of unemployment insurance. Don't wait until your benefits end because it is a switch. You are on benefits and then you are off of benefits. There's no ramping down or there's no weaning off of that program. It's very much you're either 100% on or you're 100% off. And a lot of times people might have a false sense of security in that, oh, I have time. I'll get to that eventually. What we really want to encourage people is don't wait until that last moment and don't wait until the other tens of thousands of people are also in that position of trying to look for work and trying to compete for those jobs. So start early. Summer's always a great time to start getting back in the labor force. Jobs are very plentiful. It's a good time to start working back towards that. And the virtual career center technology is a great way to facilitate that transition. Start looking around. You can explore your jobs. You can see what's out there. You can meet with a job coach. If you haven't written a resume in a long time, now's a great time to start doing that. But you can take steps to really get into that job search mode and have help along the way. We have job coaches available. So if you want to meet with someone in person, you can get that feedback. We have a lot of labor market information, information around where our jobs at in our economy on the BCC. Explore that. Say you want to go into something new. We have training opportunities for that. So there's just a lot of tools and resources. We really wanted to put into people's fingertips. And then we also wanted it to be on familiar technology. So a lot of people use Google technology. It looks and feels familiar. We wanted it to be easy. We didn't want it to look like a clunky government website. We really wanted to be welcoming for that job seeker. And so we're really trying to encourage folks that now is the time to start that job search. We're here to help and we want everyone to be set up for success. That's fantastic, Sarah, and tremendous progress. Quinn, what was the thinking behind the Career Center? A lot of the basis was many of the points that Sarah touched on. The public sector team is committed to helping our government partners modernize and do their jobs better in any way that, that we can help with our um, platforms, our ecosystem, and the like. And when we were engaging with Rhode Island and other states at the beginning of the pandemic, the problem that Sarah laid out was twofold in the moving from an in-person to a totally digitized or at least accessible via digitized way for the first time. And then with, especially with workforce agencies, having to do that at scale, right? And so if you're thinking about taking a highly personalized approach, in-person approach, and moving it to a scale, but still personalized approach, it was something that Google felt that our tools the benefits of the system and how they support our 9 billion user products globally and the consumer side are a really a great fit for us. And when you're thinking about that personalized experience and you're moving it from a human-to-human interaction where it's easier to understand where someone's coming from and give them that immediate feedback, when you move that online, it's a very complicated endeavor, not only in the scale, but in the services that you offer. And so behind the Virtual Career Center, it all starts with that modernization layer, the digital front door that people come to, the modern web app, right? And there's a certain subset of folks who can search themselves who are familiar with these consumer tools who can create resumes and create documentation. But if you don't have that support, if you don't have that background, the support that we can give you, I think, to be able to provide that personalized touch goes well beyond that website. Whether it be unique chat interfaces that can interface with you in your own language from Spanish to Somali and everything in between, whether it be automated call centers that can take in inbound requests and try and answer questions before connecting you to somebody in person, or connections, as Sarah mentioned as well, to Google Workspace to do things 
like we're doing right now and, and chatting over video and streaming conferences, sharing online documentation and trying to bring some of that human touch into a digital experience. And so I think in those sort of large ways, whether it be the scale and modernizing the digital front doors that provide that personalized flow to users and to employers seeking employees, and then the collaboration tools driven by Google's advantages in artificial intelligence and machine learning to know what to do to reduce the overhead and burden on administrators for having to deal with in such a large influx of, of people in, in really serious need. Uh, and so for, I think across the board is really our goal from Google to sort of bring those elements that uh, allow us to provide that personalized experience in, in a way that can drive the best results for all those stakeholders that are engaged. So how is it designed to connect job seekers with career opportunities more effectively that ultimately accelerate economic progress? You mentioned the AI-backed tools and capabilities. If you think about the workforce that's seeking jobs at the moment, the diversity of skill sets that people have built up throughout their lives is often lost in what was the most recent thing that somebody had done, right? But we work with groups of folks that have managed, you know, lost urban experiences and have their small businesses and have dealt with everything from the service side economy to financial systems and accounting to dealing with vendors and multiple relationships and stakeholders. And the assessments that we can do through these experiences and learning more about someone's skill set, the ability for us to have the same system where employers can come in and understand what they're offering and using our same tools and technology to help them articulate their jobs and offerings in a way that is most likely to garner attention from specific user groups, right? All of that, I think, is fodder for a personalization approach, both in understanding and saying, hey, if you were that lobsterman, you did have your small business, there's actually adjacent roles totally outside your industry, but hit on those same things in managing complexity with different suppliers and managing complexity in different payment systems that maybe wouldn't come through and it's like flat resume. And so by leaning a little bit more into the users on the employer side, employee seeking side to get more information about themselves and their history, and then doing the same with employers, I think, helps that match, if you will, be more perfect. And we know that the faster that people come back to work, the stronger our economy will become. We also know on the flip side that the longer someone is unemployed, more persistent that they're likely to stay unemployed and have a detrimental effect on the economy as a whole. And so our goal is to really accelerate that process of back to work and by finding roles that are the most suited for people or helping, I should say, assisting folks find the roles that are most suited for them and employers find the employees most suited for them. And in the middle of that, of course, helping the administrators guide that process. I think this gets lost in some of this approach. This is not technology where Google is going to be telling you this is exactly what you should do, but it's giving you the tools at your fingertips to be able to know what's out there and giving the along that chain from the administrators to employers to understand the same um, and make those good decisions. And so I think for us, it's all about accelerating that process and, and understanding the implications that and as we do so. I mean, that Sarah's an excellent job in outlining how Rhode Island, but how might governments themselves leverage this to tap into a larger pool of applicants and really help close the skills gap at the end of the day that has been challenging plague agencies even pre-pandemic? That's a good point, right? I think the, the specific role of job seeking, to your point, is one way in which people seek skills or new things to do in their journey through employment. And so outside of core back to work and finding the application, we've also had discussions and work with states to fold in some of the information from things like K-12, 
and into higher education, and then, okay, what happens when someone matriculates outside of college and enters the workforce? Is it a job assessment that we should be giving them, or is there a broader skill assessment, certification courses, other things? I know Google, outside of the business side, in the broader.org group, really has a lot of certifications that we've made generally available to a lot of departments of labor and other agencies to try and provide skills and other sort of courses that, that folks can take to make that transition. It's not an easy thing, right, to decide on a moment's notice that you're going to go from one field to another. And having been in that position in the past myself, I know that it's a, a long educational journey. And it's a long journey working with folks in, in, the, in the work agencies on the career counselor side to understand the fit and the process. And so in that multi-step approach, I think not only can states take a broader view of the skills and employment history of their constituency outside of just the moment there's someone is already unemployed, but extending that further into that the landscape from higher education as the example we gave before. But then also, Sarah mentioned, as you organize information, it's not just UI systems that have requirements on job seeking, but the data behind this is really valuable and in concert with things like SNAP and ADP and TANF and other things that have similar uh, social safety tools that have similar requirements. And I think by and large, a lot of these systems are thought as siloed and thought of as unreconcilable. But I think with the modernization of the virtual career center work and with other things that Google has done with the Department of Labor around the country, I think we're able to start having deeper conversations with states to rethink their approach to constituent services and being able to use data from these different systems to be able to answer questions that they have in the opposite system, right, if that makes sense. And so when, when we really are starting to execute in ways that are constituent-focused and bringing that constituent voice and bringing that constituent journey closer to the mission and closer to the agency, you can start to think of things like Google Workspace and collaboration tools and large-scale analytics and machine learning, not as ways to solve the point problem that you're facing, even though that's obviously the most important thing if you're trying to modernize quickly and use your constituents, but they can be used for these broader rethinking opportunities of the way that we're providing services to our constituents as well. And in a variety of ways, I think um, through the pandemic, Google has tried to be there to help bring these two sides together between serving the constituent side and how we're using that information to make the next decision. And this is a question for both of you. What do you expect the job and job-seeking world to look like 10 years from now? How can governments continue to help residents adapt and adopt? Sarah, let's start with you. One focus I would like to emphasize for the future looking around this technology is less so in terms of, yes, doing the video conferencing, having shared documents, basically bringing work search and government workforce programs into the 21st century is definitely a win and something we need to do. But what I'm really excited about and where I think we're starting to see the glimmers coming up and might come through for the next year and hopefully even better over the next decade is expediting the job placement process. So think about all the wasted time and space between posting a job and hiring and having a person start. All of our HR departments, all whether you're a small business, a large corporation, everyone suffers from this. How do I craft the right job search? How am I going to get the right pool of applicants? How do I process looking at the right pool of applicants? And then how do I actually get that perfect individual or close to perfect individual starting and actually working? And then is there continuing education or training once they start? That has a lot of wasted and dead space in it because it's typically a couple weeks to post, a couple more weeks to get applications, another couple weeks to interview. 
who's actually doing the interviewing. The interviewing process itself is always a little bit artificial and we've all been there where you have those really weird interviews or you get asked questions and everyone always walks away with not feeling that that was the best way to express my skill set or best fit for a corporation. And then there's just the logistics of filling out the paperwork and whatnot. So I think over the next few years, really targeting how do we get that process of matching much more efficient? How do we make sure that job postings are actually articulating the skills that are necessary? What we find is we have very robust job postings that talk about years of experience and your skill set and your training and your credentials. But when you actually talk to the hiring manager, they talk about things like fit, culture, personality traits, things like that, that they're like, well, we can teach technical skills. We want a personality fit for our organization. And you're like, well, that's nowhere in your job description at all. Or similarly to the interview process. Well, is it a virtual interview? And there's always that there's no corporation and no business is the same. So do you have a casual interview process? Do you want the business suit and the very formal presentation? Do you want to look at work product? All of that stuff is implied, but not communicated or articulated well to either the applicant or to the people who are actually facilitating that interview, because a lot of times you interview by proxy, right? There's the recruiter who's doing that first screening, not the person you're going to report to once you're in that organization. So I think that there's just a lot of room for opportunity to make that process more efficient, more data-driven, and also to give employers a lot more insight into the labor market themselves. So we focus a lot on the job seeker, but one thing that we've seen is a lot of businesses don't know, well, where does my job posting compete with other job postings. We hear a lot around the $15 an hour wage jobs and why can't I find people? Well, a lot of organizations don't realize the competitive field for if you have similarly situated jobs, who are your competitive employers that you're competing for talent with? And so we really want to give more employer tools around insight into, well, where does your position line up? Who is the type of talent you're attracting? Is that the right type of talent you're attracting? And how do we just make that whole process more efficient? And I do think that while we're seeing the growings and the seeds of that beginning this year, I think that that's going to be the next decade worth of work that's on the horizon for us. I love that response as a growing organization ourselves. Certainly, Google Cloud grows exponentially every year. Quinn, I'd love to have you wrap us up here. And based on what Sarah envisions, where are you guys already at in the next evolution of this? Yeah, I agree. I love what you were saying, Sarah. And I, I think I want to just continue with that metaphor, maybe continue drawing out that for maybe the next 10 years. And I think if you have a future in the next three years, let's say, where you know, the work agencies have a much more honed in view on the job seeker experience and a good understanding of how to turn that really quickly into employment seekers, if we take that out 10 years, I think the changes that will happen will be a lot on the employer side and a lot on the administrative side itself, right? So if you're picking employers first, small businesses have been hit the most by this pandemic. And if you're trying to start a small business and you're trying to understand where is the mismatch in my state between where people are seeking jobs and where there are opportunities for me to start a business, or if I'm a job, a business that exists and I'm looking to expand, I think there's an opportunity to say, hey, we, this is an area where the state can help you get in touch with the workforce that's ready and willing and looks like a good fit. And you as a business owner can have confidence that this is a step that you can take with us as the state, right? And bring you kind of more employment opportunities in a more strategic way on a state-by-state basis and maximizing what each state can, can offer and sort of their value. And on the administrative side, is sort of the same concept and, and having, I think, 
a deeper understanding of that dynamic just as it first done, right? That surprised me when working on this at the beginning was the more ad hoc nature of the way that the this information is known, I think, from employers to, to state governments and from employees to, the, to their state governments. And a more formal integrated approach would allow administrators to make more, I believe, concrete steps on reskilling opportunities and employee side, different sort of educational opportunities, your job opportunities themselves that they're encouraging, and then using that information for all the other um, services that we mentioned before, whether it be regulatory compliance side on, on benefits, or whether it be something more prescriptive and recommending certain opportunities for folks, different discounts, rebates on energy, anything in between, right? These services are eminently connectable and they, they definitely impact one another. So when I'm thinking about 10 years out, it all starts from what Sarah mentioned and within the next couple of years and really getting it right for the job seeker and really understanding that process and, and making that as valuable as possible. But if you have that as your basis, I think the states themselves have a really exciting future that they can do. Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you both for joining me and sharing your insights. And thank you to all our listeners of the AI Gov Reimagine podcast. Be sure to check out our other episodes for more insights into how artificial intelligence can solve today's challenges and set up government for success tomorrow. The AI Gov Reimagine podcast is brought to you by Google Cloud in collaboration with GovExec Studio 2G. Learn more about how Google Cloud can help your agency reimagine AI to achieve the mission at cloud.google.com.